1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how to produce messaging that resonates with your prospects and customers. Joining us is Josh Wetzel, who is the CRO of OneSignal, which is the most widely used push notification delivery and marketing platform for mobile applications and websites. Yesterday, Josh and I talked about creating timely and relevant messages. And today we're going to talk about driving engagement through personalization. Okay, here's the second part of my conversation with Josh Wetzel, CRO of OneSignal. Josh, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: I'm glad to be back. Thank you for having me again, Ben.
1: Excited to have you back on the show. Always good to connect with old friends. Yesterday, we talked about the content side of push notifications, how to figure out what to say, and also a little context of when to say them to your customers. One of the things that I want to dive into today is not all push notifications are created equally. Obviously, every brand has to figure out the right cadence and the right content that they want to send to their customers. But sometimes you're sending a push notification to one customer that's different than the next. Talk to me about how personalized you can get with push notifications.
2: So first, I got to start off. I don't mean to take you on a tangent, but what's your take on Gardner's call a few months ago that 80% of all marketers by 2024, I believe, are gonna abandon all personalization efforts. They're stoned. Okay. It's just absurd. We're on the same page. So I think you can do a lot, actually, just to dive right into the personalization within Push. You can do keyword value pairs. You can insert people's names. You can insert products they looked at in an abandoned cart, which has been highly effective in the e-commerce space. We work with a couple thousand Shopify stores, an example, and a bunch of other large retailers around the world. So there's a bunch of the things you can do, promotions based on region, based on previous purchase behaviors, using tying back in, again, the keyword value pairs back into, say, your, your CMP or CDP. I was going to say, you
1: mentioned CMP. What's a CMP?
2: Yeah, that was a mistaken acronym. I'm like, is it DMP? You know, some people call them DMPs. Now we don't call them CDPs. And I get DMP is kind of like the third-party data management on top of your data, and CDP is your personal data, but I love how we create new acronyms for new categories.
1: I'm just going to start calling things LMNOP just to see if it picks up.
2: (laughs) It will. Great. It will, especially with your audience here, people will start using it. So I think that personalization is key. I will say this though, it's got to be right. We actually have done some research on this. People tend to quote unquote personalize, but then they'll make these like basic mistakes. They're sending promotions for 25% off, for example, where people can't take advantage of them because they're not in the right region or the promotion actually is over, or they'll send a promotion to an individual using someone's personal name and then a product that may have been something that they looked at or someone on their account looked at. It's the notion of, hey, Ben, are you still interested in these red high heels? Well, maybe it wasn't you who looked at them. And so the information gets off. Uh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Okay, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I think it's important that you get things and your contextually in such a way where it makes sense. So people don't get too lazy, ultimately is the word I would use. But I think the obvious things, right? We've seen a huge growth in the efficacy of messaging when we use uh, first name. It's more personal. So if you have that, I think personalizing based on region or specific interests. We talked yesterday about using the sports analogy in the San Francisco Giants. Like if you get a Major League Baseball message about regular baseball stuff, you may be like, ah, not that interested. But if you do it in the context of the San Francisco Giants, your interest may peak and your engagement may grow. So I think those are all things.
1: It's always fun to see new sports brands targeting baseball fans. And, you know, every once in a while, I'll be talking to my friend who's a Dodgers fan, and maybe I'll use the keyword Dodgers in Facebook, and then all of a sudden, I am getting promotions for Dodgers gear. It's the last thing in the world I want. I would rather be caught dead than buy and support Dodgers gear. Nothing personal, Dodgers fans. We love you, Los Angeles. Just not your baseball team. (laughs) The point is, you know, there's some basic blocking and tackling and you can be, and maybe this is where Gardner is coming from. You can really embarrass yourself if you get the personalization wrong. One of the things that I see mostly from a lot of commerce brands is generally in retail industries, in the fashion industry, women buy more than men. And so in all of the newsletters, they start with the women's clothes first and they're putting just like in the retail store, they put the women's clothes in the front and the men's clothes in the back for most brands. It drives me nuts. I don't really care what the women's clothes look like unless it's the red high heels. So how do you think about data cleanliness? Because yes, you want to be personalized, but no, you don't want to get it wrong. And I think a key is making sure that you have clean data. Are there tools and systems that you use to make sure that brands are delivering accurately when it comes to personalization?
2: Yeah, it's a good point. And I think it goes back to the CDP, right? You need to be collecting the right behaviors and then triggering your message off those behaviors. And I think there's, there's lots of systems out there, but you got to use common sense. And so to your point, if it's purely just retargeting based on the most active or most recent behavior, you're bound to fall into those traps. If you're compiling information and responding based on some like core underlying behavioral knowledge of a user, you're more likely to be successful. So one example that we do just in our internal marketing, we've got over a million companies that use us. And we'll disclose the exact percent to use mobile and web. But if you're a web only user, when we send you the product newsletter, we're only sending you stuff that's relevant to web product. We're not sending you the mobile product. We're not sending you information about best use cases or productivity for web. And we've seen really good engagement over that, right? That's a basic improvement. Now that's really basic, but I find that a lot of bigger companies don't even get that right. To your point, big e-commerce companies, they're sending a newsletter to everybody and it's women's clothing and I get that. And yeah, maybe I buy clothing for my wife, but it's less often than she buys it for herself. And I am definitely going to be more interested in men's stuff.
1: And I think that the idea here is that you actually need to look at the data and get a signal I'll use the example, not all men buy men's clothing, right? You actually need, even if you know that someone is male, that the types of purchases that they're making or the purpose why they're shopping at your store could be different. You need to look at your data and actually see a signal in the same way that you need to get consent to send the messaging, get some sort of indication of what the consumer is looking for, as opposed to making broad assumptions for all consumers Going back to you know what Gardner said about personalization being gone, I think we're going the opposite way. Hopefully, brands are going to become more sophisticated with how they can analyze their data and do a better job with personalization. But there is risk with personalization. So personalization, in theory, drives incremental engagement. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, Ready to take your team from I think to I know. Talk to me about whether it's worth the risk of getting the personalization wrong or not. Does it actually drive better business results?
2: So we've seen, without a doubt, it drives much better business results. I keep coming back to this notion of KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid, or stupid, simple. Keep it short and simple. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important. I think it's really like what you know about that user apply that. But don't do it based on one interaction. Do it based on what they've traditionally purchased, where they may live in the country, what they've done within your experience, but over multiple interactions. Like having them just land on a, you know, using your Dodgers example, on a Dodgers information or article or product, and then assuming they're a Dodgers fan and slamming them with Dodgers information is bound to get a lot of false positives. And you don't want to get in the situation where you're creating a negative customer experience before they're even really a customer. And so I think it's really important to know exactly who this person is and use the basics that you know to provide a little bit better experience so that their engagement, and then as you get a deeper experience with them, to better and better. One example I'll give that I think is really important here you and I have been around in the e-commerce space for a while and in marketing. Do you remember the early days of Amazon? Everyone was blown away how they had this thing called collaborative filtering, which was as simple as, here's the products you previously looked at and or purchased. Here's similar products that would be interesting. Well, it's almost like this notion 20 years later. It's not like that's changed that much. And so I'm not getting messages from Amazon saying, hey, you went and saw one Dodgers product, so therefore you're a Dodgers fan. Because they've gotten smart about using the basics they know about you and providing you enough personalization that your experience is great versus going super deep on you're now a Dodgers fan, even though we've only seen you interact with that Dodgers item one time.
1: So literally last night I was sitting at home watching the Giants game and I went on to Amazon to buy more masks because we live in the era of the coronavirus. And I was on the Amazon homepage, which nobody scans the Amazon homepage or rarely do you on your phone. You get there and you go for what you're looking for. I decided to scan the homepage. I was bored. And they had a survey or a question of who are you rooting for in the Giants game the Padres or the Giants and I clicked the Giants and it was like great do you want to buy some Giants gear and it was a nice way to actually get active consent or an an active indication of which team I cared about right just because I'm looking at the Giants or Padres game does not mean I'm an equal fan of both teams it's quite the opposite and so being creative getting user engagement maybe that's one of the ways that you use your notifications is you know who would you rather see win Giants or Padres raise, that's an interesting notification. If you're an e-commerce brand that sells sports stuff, you know who the person's team is. You could take it from there. Driving user engagement and then continuing to drive that data down the funnel is an interesting way to continue the engagement and personalization.
2: That's a great point. And I just use them as an example because I find that obviously we all know they execute well and they built this huge business. But I think It's also incumbent upon all the mistakes people make, which is trying to infer too much upfront without asking. And that creates a negative experience for a disproportionate number of consumers that they don't need to do that for. And so the advantage of personalizing is undercut by the overzealousness of like, hey, I want to personalize. And so I think maybe that is part of what Gardner was trying to get at. I personally think it was just more PR and let me make a bold statement to get in the news, even if it's negative.
1: Let me say something totally counterintuitive and illogical to get everybody upset. And that way I can use my notifications to get the message out there and get a lot of reaction and some eyeballs. (laughs) Josh, I want to talk a little bit more about engagement before I let you go. We've talked about getting the right message to the right person at the right time, how to effectively personalize that message. When you're thinking about the range of engagement from push notifications a, do you see it be a channel that drives more engagement than some of the outreach channels like SMS or email? And B, you know, what can you expect the range to be when you send a push notification in terms of engagement and conversions?
2: What ranges greatly, but we've done a pretty extensive qualitative and quantitative analysis, which I'm happy to send to you and you can kind of look at the results. But what we found was that more than 40 to 45% of the people from an ROI basis see greater ROI with push than email or with paid ads for that matter, and overwhelmingly see the same or greater. And then qualitatively, we see pretty strong engagement. So engagement on daily active user basis is up over 30% when they use notifications versus when they don't. And that's across 33, 34,000 active applications, looking over a couple month period and about 9.5% on web. So they're pretty strong and much bigger driver of immediate engagement than say email is. I don't have as much experience with SMS. I think SMS is an awesome new channel. But I think there's a lot of categories of businesses that are gonna struggle with that, right? Like You're not gonna enter your phone number for a media site or an entertainment site or sports or a bunch of these categories. For e-commerce, it's great. And I think in the cases where we've worked with clients which are using SMS and push and email, they overwhelmingly say that SMS and push perform better than email. And I think it's partly it's the efficacy, the newness of the channels, the immediacy, right? SMS and push like show up right there in your phone, So they're disruptive, I think is what you called them earlier. And so the performance in those channels are really strong. And what's shocking to me is how few companies today take advantage of SMS and push. So I think those channels are gonna explode in the next couple of years.
1: Yeah, and I think that the important thing here is if you can stay present and you can stay relevant to your consumer, You don't have to worry about their recall, right? You don't have to have them out of nowhere think about your brand and start to engage and interact. If you can stay in front of them, your marketing efforts become a lot easier. On the flip side, if you stay in front of them and it's disruptive, annoying, irrelevant, you run the risk of burning that bridge and ruining that relationship. So be careful with those push notifications. Mostly you, Grubhub. I don't need a three o'clock burrito.
2: That's right. What? The barrier is really high, right? The quality bar has to be up there because people, it's easy for people to opt out. And look, on a future show, I'd love to debate with you why so much of the sexiness and investment goes to acquisition and so little goes to retention and engagement. So let's talk about that another time. I think that's a undervalued area. And the funny thing is in the world we live in with Google and Facebook, right? Their whole models are to suck up all of our attention and then rent us their users it seems that companies need to overinvest and start being more thoughtful about how do I retain and grow users.
1: It's a topic for another day. Would love to have you back on the show to debate it. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Josh Wetzel, CRO at OneSignal, for joining us. If you'd like to get in touch with Josh, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is jwetzel, J-W-E-T-Z-E-L, or you could visit his company's website, which is onesignal.com, O-N-E-S-I-G-N-A-L.com. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day this year. So click that subscribe button in your podcast app and check back in your feed tomorrow morning.